Today, I'm going to try to complete our study in 1 Peter as Peter draws his epistle here to a close. And we're in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verses 5 through 14. And there we find the marks of Christian maturity. We should reflect back on all that Peter has instructed the Christians there in the eastern portion of the Roman Empire. He has, he has instructed them in, in living, in worship. He's taught them who we are in Christ and given them all that they need to be strengthened in the Lord and now coming into the final part of his letter defines what marks a mature Christian. So we put ourselves to the test here and we pray that God would give us the same strength as well. So let's look at it. Beginning in verse five, the first thing that's a mark of a mature Christian is submission. Likewise, younger ones be subject to your elders. To be subject is a Greek word, hypotagate. It's a word that means to be underranked. To be underranked uh, in a position ready to obey those who are ranked above you. The only way we can have order in any organization, but most particularly here in the church, is for us to understand that the New Testament has provided, and we talked about elders last time, that the New Testament provides for the church a structure of leadership, a plurality of elders. Uh, and we talked about that and studied it. And so here comes the, there was a previous instruction for the elders and now for the younger ones to be submissive to the authority that God has thus ordained for the church. Number one, mark of a mature Christian is to be submissive. Number two, humility. And all of you gird on yourselves or clothe yourselves, gird on yourselves humility or clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Now he quotes Proverbs here. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. To walk humbly with God is a mandate that we find really all the way through the scripture. And of course we find it again here in the mandate that is given from the apostle uh, to the Christians, the saints there in that part of the world in that day. But it is an instruction that comes through all the way to us in the preservation and the authority of the New Testament as we read it and study it. Clothe yourself, wear humility toward one another all the time. 
Put yourself in low mindedness. That's what it, the, the word humility there means to be low minded. Don't arrogate yourself into some position that you think, in which you think you belong. Only God opens and closes the doors and places the people in places that he would have them to be. But be certain, as the writer in Proverbs says, that God opposes the proud. So for a person to operate in pride is to make himself really an enemy of God. God gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God because <coughs> there's coming a day in due time at the proper time that God will exalt us. There is a time of glorification that awaits the saint of God. It is not now. It is not here. But it is coming. And we live in anticipation of that glorious day when it is coming. And so, forgive me, it happens. It just happens. So for us, we're to understand that in the present time, we're to walk in humility and to be clothed with humility. The next mark of a mature Christian is trust. Having cast all your anxiety, merimnan, uh, uh, your worry, your care, your anxiety on him because he cares for you. He has regard for you. He watches you. Everything that we're taught, we're taught because God wants us to have the best in spiritual living today, but also in that spiritual living and in that humble life, be an example and be a gospel message, literally just through our lives to other people. Things come, we've already studied here, <coughs> that, pressures, <coughs> that pressures come and suffering comes, and that's part of the basic message of Peter, that suffering comes because we're Christians. Now these people here to whom he is writing directly in that day were really in a pressure cooker, more so than, than a lot of other people in the world, and of course, the first, the first couple of centuries of Christianity found genuine Christians always in a pressure cooker. Somehow the world, the world opposes them. So this, this brings us to a point for, to where we should think of how the cares that we could have in this world should be cast upon him, acknowledging that these cares have come upon us because of who we are in Christ. That's just part of the Christian life, who we are in Christ. But you know what? God cares for you. It's very personal. It's a very, very personal word up here uh, in, the, in the Greek text. Mele, peri, come on. 
There is care around you, surrounding you. He surrounds us. It's like the loving arms of a father. He surrounds us with his love and his care and brings us close to his bosom. So let him take the care from you. Trust. Regardless of what we face in life, we trust our heavenly father. We know that he's taking care of us. Regardless of what we may be facing in this life. The next thing that's a mark of a mature Christian, self-discipline. Be sober-minded. Now the word up here, uh, uh, nepsity, the, the word there is a word that literally speaks of being intoxicated with, uh, with, with wine. Don't be, don't be intoxicated with wine. In the broader sense and in the broader teaching, we're to understand that we're not to be intoxicated with the allurings of this world. It is so easy through life to get mesmerized by the things of this world. We've been studying a lot about Baal worship on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights in the Old Testament and how the Israelites had just become, had just become mesmerized with what they saw in the, the worship of Ashtarah and Asherah and Baal and, and, uh, and so forth, Melech. And it was so sensual and it was so base. It, it appealed to the baser instincts of the flesh. And it is something that, is, that was so alluring to them, they literally became drunk in their minds with this kind of life. They were fixed on it. And you know how they got there? They got there because they had turned themselves away from God. As we have studied, especially on Wednesday night, we've seen how the temple had fallen into, under Ahaz, had fallen under, uh, into uh, misuse. They never used it. He locked the doors, that evil king of Judah. He locked the doors. His son Hezekiah comes along, reopens the doors and has the priesthood to come in and sanctify, clean up and bless the place so that the people can begin worship. But when they turned away from God, the temple falls into disrepair. Nobody's going there anymore. So it falls into disrepair. People don't, then don't have a concept of sin. And they don't have a concept of their need for forgiveness from God. And they laugh at the idea of the wrath of God and the judgment of God until it falls on them. And it fell on them until Hezekiah obviously by the spirit of God begins to reverse things in, uh, in his reign. The same happens, the same can happen to us to become so mesmerized by the, by the trappings of the world. It seems so wonderful and fun and all this kind of stuff. But the only reason our minds are opened up to those things, the only reason is because somehow we have slowly perhaps turned away from the worship of God, the things of God. 
in, in the modern era of the church, the things of the church and, uh, and the mandates that are given to us uh, in the New Testament that we're to, we're to obey the gospel. And then the rest of the New Testament instructions on how to live as Christians. You turn away from that and the world is there waiting and ready to allure you into its trappings. The mark of a mature Christian is self-discipline. To be sober-minded, not to reject God, to be obedient to the gospel, to stay strong in the faith. So he continues, watchfulness. You know, this is an imperative. It's just a very simple word. It's an imperative in the Greek, which means it's a command. Watch. Be alert. Keep your eyes open. You are to walk as we read in another passage in the New Testament, we are to walk circumspectly. We are, we, are to, we are to walk watching everything that happens. Watch all that happens. <laughs> I, watch, I like to watch animals from, from time to time. And uh, they're pretty much on guard all the time, you know. You can't sneak up on a squirrel. Do you know that? I've tried. They're just always jerking around and watching everything. You can't sneak up on a bird. They're watchful. This is an imperative from the apostle that we are to watch, that we're to be alert in our lives, always watching. A, a, a red flag, if you are Closely in tune to the word of God and your walk with God is a genuine work and walk, then your, your spirit will throw up red flags when things are not right. And brother, this current age is filled with red flags everywhere. Trying to trick us. Try. We are living... I believe in the last days, and these are the days of great deception and delusion. It's very difficult sometimes. If you're not in tune with the absolute truth of the Word of God, just if you just read the Bible and trust the Bible, let everything, all men are liars. That's what the Bible says. I can tell you why all men are liars, because all men don't know everything. We can have an opinion. We can even come up with a theory. That doesn't mean anything. If it isn't extracted from the holy word of God, <laughs> then, uh, then it's meaningless. So we plant our lives on the absolute truth of the word of God. And this helps us and clarifies us and gives us a lens of clarity in this world so that we can see where we are and what surrounds us. Why? Because we have an enemy <clears throat> the enemy is the devil and he's prowling around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. His preference. Hey, just watch it on YouTube or something. Just watch a lion. It just pains me to watch these lions catch these little newborn gazelles or whatever. It's just awful. 
He doesn't go after the strongest or the, he's wanting the weak thing. He wants the one that's easy to catch. You and I should make it our jobs in life as Christians to be sure that we're not easy to catch. We're not the weak one seeking someone. He's there and he watches us. Watches, he has us profiled. He knows everything that there is about us. And he's setting traps for us all the time. Book of James talks about that. Sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. When you read James, there are two things that have to come together. The desire to sin and the opportunity to sin. So we have to fight the desire and we also have to watch out for the opportunity and avoid it. Stay away from it. Watch your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Okay, how then do we fight the devil? With a firm common defense of all Christians, here it is. Number one, you should resist him. Stand against him. The word up there is a word, uh, antistete. Anti means against. Stand against. Just stand against the devil. Now, pay close attention here. Firm, firm in the faith. Stereoi, firm. Not wavering. I'm not hot and cold in my faith. My faith is what it is. And as I walk this life with Christ, my faith strengthens. And this is a faith that I stand in. I don't waver in the faith. I understand that my standing against to resist the devil and then to remain firm in the faith, this is the way that the devil is kept from overcoming me. Now I want you to notice a couple things here. First of all, we are not told to attack the devil. There's some guys tried that in the book of Acts and they ran off naked, you remember? That's kind of embarrassing. We're not told why even Michael the archangel said, the Lord rebuke you. We're not in the business of casting out Satan. We don't have that kind of power or strength. We stand defensively in what we have and who we are in Christ. Now, let's put this all together. The Bible says that Satan is a liar. Well, if he's a liar, then he operates in lies, but he can't operate in truth. So you stand in truth. Absolute truth is the word of God. So you bathe yourself, immerse yourself in the word of God. You stay in it, study it. Don't ever waver from it. Believe everything that is, you don't have to understand it, just believe it. And when you get to the point of maturity where God thinks you can handle it, then you can go back and understand it maybe. But to stand against lies and untruthfulness 
means that we stand in truth. Truth is stronger than fiction. Truth will always be there. The lies will fade away. So here, we resist him by standing in the truth, by maintaining firmness in the faith. Nothing is going to waver me. This is what the Bible says. This is where I stand. And if you resist him, we're told in the scriptures that he will flee from us. He can't handle, he think, he's smart. He's smarter than I am, smarter than you are. He's stronger than we are. But he is not absolute. The truth of God is absolute. And the Christ of God has already won this victory for us. We just take the truth. I've been watching since I've been away. Charles been doing the, the armor of God. Everything's defensive about the armor of God. And the sword is just there to do what needs to be done when the defense is made. When you study, I had my first karate lesson when I was 15 years old, 1966. And for, how long ago was that? 50, 60, have mercy. 50 something years, 57, I don't know. All those years, I haven't, st- I haven't stopped. It's killing my legs, but I haven't stopped. And all that time, there's one premise that you stand on. There is no first attack in karate. You train that way. And so you, you get very good at responding. And you use what he does against him. Now, here we go. That's why I like this so much. Here's the, here's the soldier, the whole armor. And I've often thought, you know, if I come up against a guy that's a good grappler, I'm just going to have me a good long knife, about six inches, eight inches blade, and just lay on my back and hold that knife up like this. He's not going to do nothing, is he? Unless he wants to stick himself, right? Everything is defensive, but that sword, which is the word of God, that's what pierces the devil. That's what stops him, kills him. The sword, the word of God. This is how we resist. Let me tell you something. Every time you're in Bible study, you're resisting the devil. Every time you come to Sunday school, you're resisting the devil. We are studying the blessed holy word of God in its absolute truthfulness. And in the best way that we know how, we're trying to present it in its purity from its original form. We're resisting the devil. Because this is truth. Absolute truth. And the more, I'm, the more I'm armed with it and the more I know about it and the more I'm surrounded with it and the more that it fills my, the essence of my being, the stronger I am to be able to stand, to stand firm in the faith. But I'm not alone in this. Knowing that the same sufferings are to be accomplished among your brethren Throughout the world. You're not alone. How is it that Christians are still standing everywhere? We saw the, we've seen the films. It was Guatemala today. We've seen others. And these are just people that we're able to support the best way we can. And 
If God would help us, we would go further and support more, I know. But you can imagine what they're facing wherever they are. They are facing the same kind of sufferings, perhaps on a greater scale than what we are. They are throughout the world, but here's the deal. They fight the same way that we fight. They just stand there and resist the devil, surrounded with truth, immersed in the truth, the absolute truth of the word of God. So then the next mark, this next mark, of maturity as a Christian is the firm common defense that is ours in the world against Satan. And then there's this confident anticipation. We know something better than this is coming. The mark of a mature Christian. There used to be a song that I have always despised. It was a gospel song. Just a little longer, please Jesus. Shut up. No. Move it up if you can. It doesn't work that way. He has his fixed calendar and I know that. But we walk confidently in this life knowing that the greatest thing is yet to come. And here it is. He talks about it briefly. Now the God of all grace, the one having the God of all grace. There is no grace apart from God. The one having called you to his eternal glory. Having called you. That's in an aorist active. It's a thing that happened and won't change and it keeps on going. Aorist active in the Greek. Having called you to his eternal glory in Christ, you're having suffered for a little while. He himself, and here's this, these, these four wonderful words. He will, first of all, he will perfect. Now notice, he does it. He will, he will, he will, he will. Wow. I just got to stand here and read the Bible. That causes things to happen. My life, in my life, with my walk with Christ and the reading of the word and, and the obedience that naturally exudes from that, will speak to people. And then I will speak to people when God gives them the opportunity. And then God does all this, you see. He himself will, number one, he will Perfect. Now that word, that word, that Greek word means to perfect. He will, he will keep conditioning you until it's over. So he, so all right, I'm suffering. Well, he's conditioning me. Long time ago, I used to lift weights. The guy that was training me said, you know, when you lift weights, you're tearing your muscle. Now, you can tell if that's true or not. He said, you're tearing your muscles so that bigger muscles will grow back. 
This is the only activity that I ever perfected on that. And it continues to grow. I'm very good at this. And age has nothing to do with that muscle right there. God says, this is what I'm going to do. He, he will condition. Hey, I'm going to fight another. I'm not dead yet. I have other battles to fight. I have other sufferings to come. But he's going to condition me. He will assume the responsibility to be sure that I'm in shape to face it to its completion. That's what the Greek word means. Then he will confirm. He will confirm in my life this thing. He will, he will make it so. He does it. He will strengthen to make me stronger and stronger. And he will establish, he will give you the foundation. I'll have to hurry here. To him be the power to the ages of the ages. I don't know how that came out. He's, that's supposed to be the ages of the ages. Amen. When I wrote it down, it looked good. To him be the power. So someday, oh, here it is. I'm walking through life, I'm suffering, but he's strengthening me, he's conditioning me, he's establishing me, he's placing me on the foundation that I need, I'm established, and I'm confirmed in all that's happening, all this is going, but it's not by my power, it's by his power. So someday, standing in his eternal glory in Christ, it will be to his power and to his glory to the ages of the ages. Amen. Now, he's, now he ends his letter. Now this is the same name as Silas. Through Sylvanus, our faithful brother, as I regard him, I have written through few words, exhorting and testifying this to be the true grace of God in which you stand. She who is in Babylon, that is his way of describing Rome where he was living, and the saints who were still in Rome, she who is in Babylon, the church there, elected with you, sends you greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. I grew a mustache just for this service. Hey. I want to be obedient to the apostolic commands, but I want you to know that a firm handshake is my favorite thing. <laughs> Unless you're Pat. Peace be to you all who are in Christ. The warmth of Christian fellowship and brotherhood. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He came into this world to save sinners. Perhaps you're here today without Christ and God is calling you into his perfect salvation. We have deacons and deacons' wives just as you exit, standing in the doorways of rooms right across the hall, ready to pray with you. Pray with them in coming to Christ today. Perhaps you're here and God leads you to come into the membership of this church. They are there for you as well. But for now, prayerfully, let's all stand.